You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Ruth Flegman. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. Later in the program, the Bloomington City Council continued their discussion of the 2023 budget during their last meeting. More in today's headlines. Also coming up in the next half an hour, the latest edition of Lil Bob's Lil Show, a program that highlights adoptable special needs animals in South Central Indiana and informs listeners of various topics relating to animal welfare in our region. More in the bottom half of our program. But first, your local headlines. At the Bloomington City Council meeting on October 12th, the council discussed the city budget for 2023. First, they voted to approve the ordinance to establish the salaries for Bloomington police and fire personnel. Council member Isabel Piedmont-Smith asked what the pay rate increase will be after the police and fire union agreements. Human Resource Director Carolyn Shaw responded. In the fire department, the contract that uh, is currently in place will give them a 2% increase in 2023. And in the police department, as you know, you ratified a contract on May 18th of this year, and Mike Rooker, our city attorney, went through those details of that contract in very good detail. Uh, that contract all raises the, this has not happened until January 1st of this year, this coming year. That contract will raise the uh, rate for senior police officers by 12.67%, and officers first class by 13.17%. That doesn't include a lot of other additional pay they will receive in 2023. The council unanimously voted to approve the ordinance to establish their salaries. However, the council was not able to ensure an increase in salary for city employees who are part of the Public Service Employees Union, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, or AFS-CME. Shaw summarized the ordinance to establish the salaries for employees in all of the other departments of the city, including both non-union and union employees. AFSCME employees have been attending council meetings and making public comments to ask for a raise. Shaw said the office of the mayor is still negotiating with the union and will make an amendment to the budget once the decision is finalized. The administration has budgeted a 5% increase for civil city salaries in 2023 and also two $500 payments for eligible employees. Um, finally, uh, as you know, we're in contract negotiations still with the AFSCME union, and we hope to have a contract in place by the end of this year, and I'll be back before you uh, to change the ordinance when that happens. Council member Dave Rollo asked for updates on negotiations with the AFSCME union employees. Corporation Council Beth Kate said they have set up meetings with the union and plan to reach an agreement by mid-November. So uh, negotiations are ongoing. We have sent a number of dates to the union for further negotiation sessions uh, in October and November. And actually, I believe today those dates just went on the calendars of everyone. They were on our calendars already. My understanding is that uh, the union will be able to meet during those times, too. So that's where we're at right now. 
When, when do you think we, you might conclude those negotiations? Well, I'm hoping to conclude them by uh, before I go away on uh, a vacation in November, mid-November, but uh, that's the, the plan is to try to get it done in the dates that we have set up. During public comment on the ordinance, AFS-CME employee Steve Robertson asked the council to help guarantee that union employees have a reasonable wage. He warned that if they don't pay their workers enough, they will be forced to quit. We don't have too many employees left. They're whittling down quite a few. And the wages, and without a contract right now, we've got people that don't know what their future is or what we hold for them in the city. And we're trying to get a contract, but we're having a hard time getting things squared away. But hopefully the next time we come back here, we can say we have one. That would be a praise, you know. But uh, with the budget is, there's a lot of money in the budget. And I would like to see a budget one time just for the employees. There's millions of dollars in this budget, and it goes for a lot of other stuff and it don't go for the employees. It needs to take care of the employees. One thing in the budget, going to give uh, city employees at Town Hall $500 not to drive their car to work? I have to scrape to even find gas money, you know? I, I don't quite understand that, what the purpose of that reason is. But, you know, we would like to the council to send a message to the mayor on the wages. I know that Rollo has talked about he didn't think the 5% was enough. I don't know if you got your message across or not. I don't have no idea. But if they're not going to listen to us and they're not going to listen to you, I guess we're going to get what we get. You know, that's why I kind of look at it. I don't know what's going on there. But he likes to spend a lot of money on beautifying the city of Bloomington, and that's fine. I'd have a problem with that. But his campaign speech is going to be, look what I did for Bloomington but it cost me all my employees to get it done. And Bloomington will look nice for a long period of time until the trash, the streets, the sewage, the water, all that don't work no more because guess what? We have no employees to take care of this. So what's good is a good looking city when you ain't got nobody to take care of it. And I think that we need to really stress to you guys that you need to really send a message to them, let them know that we need more money because we're losing we're losing three more people Friday from utilities. And we're just they're leaving. And we don't have enough people hard to do the job. And the people that are there are wore out, not getting compensated for their extra time. Next, Stephen French spoke on behalf of his fellow employees and asked for a higher wage. These people here are all the ones who take care of your water, your sewage, your trash, your recycling, your parks, your snowplow, your trees falling down. These are all these people. Without these people here, we have no water. We have no sewage. How many people want to leave if this, this contract isn't to your, up to your liking? So out of the hands you just seen, now you see him almost half his hands ready to leave. This is what this administration is doing to us. And as the mayor quotes and keeps saying, he says it over and over again, this new budget is transformative. Transformative is definition of causing or able to cause an important and lasting change in someone or something. What kind of change is going to give these people? Poverty? Half of them can't afford to get to work every day. 
You can't afford to have a $10 lunch. You can't afford to go out and eat. But a lot of people in here, they want to be here because they like it. They enjoy working for here, for this place. They've been here for 25, 30 years. This is all they ask for is to get a good, nice contract. Other towns, local towns, they're doing way more than what this town is. I think the mayor and the council, maybe to put a little pressure on him to see what happens, hopefully make something come together. Thank you. Rollo said that the city needs to keep pace with cost of living increases and shared his experience working during the 2008 recession. I've been on the city council, this is my 20th year, and I've never seen uh, as many union employees turn out as have turned out this evening. For people watching at home, we have a nearly full lower gallery uh, of people who are concerned about their futures. And um, I think I and and many of my colleagues here have made it abundantly clear that we need to keep pace with cost of living increases. Anything, anything other is essentially a pay cut. Um, having been on the council for a while, I remember the 2008 economic crisis, and um, we were in dire straits at that time. Uh, the mayor, we met in an emergency meeting, budget meeting. Uh, the state had hampered our ability to essentially uh, raise funds, and we were uh, in a position where we couldn't uh, raise salaries, but we didn't lose anyone. We didn't we we didn't make any uh, firings. So um, that was extraordinary. This time around, we're we have the funds to do this. We have the funds to keep pace. Um, I agreed to the ED lit. Uh, principally because of that, because the police salary, and uh, I thought that uh, union and non-union city employee salaries would be um, would be the main priority. There's a lot of priorities in the city, of course, and they're important priorities. But it seems to me the highest priority should be city employees. He explained why he will vote in favour of the ordinance due to the limitations of the council's authority in the budget process. However, he hopes the office of the mayor will follow through to increase the contract in their negotiations. So I'm really mystified by why we cannot do this. Now, this, the council, you're making an appeal to the council, and we, we do have a fiduciary responsibility here, but we're not strong in the sense that we can vote up or down this budget, but we can't amend it. We can cut the budget. We can't transfer funds. So I'm in a predicament because I feel I must vote for uh, this appropriation because it is something. If it were to fail, then we would, the non-union employees would, get, would not get their 5% base salary increase and the other benefits that, it, that the administration is offering. But they're woefully inadequate. Um, so I'm going to be prepared to vote no on non-essential appropriations coming in the next year. And I'm hoping that I can convince my colleagues to do the same. Because that money would otherwise have gone to uh, union contract and would go for uh, non-union salaries. Now, I, I'm also frustrated by the fact that we don't have a contract and we're sort of flying in the dark here, you know. Um, 
I should say I have to put my faith in the administration. But that faith has been really tried at this point. In fact, I, I, have, I, I don't have much faith. But perhaps it'll be, perhaps it will work out. But in any case, the council does have some, some latitude, some power here in the coming year uh, to deny this administration if they do not present a contract that keeps pace so that at least it doesn't resemble um, a, a pay cut. Because we're, obviously attrition is a problem here. We're losing the institutional knowledge in the city. It's definitely got to be wear on morale. And I, I, I'm, again, I just find it um, quite a mystery why an administration that is, is flush with, with funds appropriated by this council cannot meet its obligation to keep pace with inflation. Um, if the, if the, mayor, the mayor's here tonight, so if the mayor would like to clarify why that is not the case, why I'm, uh, I, I'm lacking an understanding why base salary increases cannot be honored just to keep pace. Um, it's very frustrating to me. Um, so I will be voting yes on this because I can't afford for this to, um, to go under. But I would appeal to my colleagues, our next ordinance is to fix the salaries of all elected city officials of the city of Bloomington. That's our salaries. I think we should vote no. I think we should vote no on that. How can we, in good faith, uh, approve the fact of this budget tonight without a workable contract um, and yet give ourselves a pay raise? Councilmember Matt Flaherty explained further why the council does not have the authority to intervene on their contract, but he outlines what they can do to help. I worry that that uh, we need to get to a place where you all are satisfied with the, with the with the uh, contract you know that's arranged because. Uh, for all the reasons you've stated, you know, we we only are are harming ourselves if we can't retain employees. Um, but when it comes to collective bargaining, there's a, a very prescribed process and limited role that we can play. Uh, you know, the the collective bargaining bargaining units of of AFSCME and of of the the city um, are are well defined. The council does not have a, a role or a place in that, uh, in, at least in terms of negotiations. Uh, where we do have a place is in approving a salary ordinance update that would reflect any agreement. Um, and I think we've made clear through past meetings uh, that there's, there's no question that the funds are available for the coming year to appropriate any agreement that is reached between AFSCME and the city of Bloomington. Uh, so the money in terms of appropriations for next year's salaries, any um, uh, cost of living adjustments, one-time fees, anything like that is absolutely available and, and will, can be covered. Um, and I, no doubt this council would approve any salary ordinance update that, you know, the AFSCME um, union signed and agreed to. Um, I think Councilmember Rallo also brings up a good point that um, if it doesn't get to a place uh, post-negotiation where the council is, is satisfied with where we are either, um, you know, we may increasingly be involved in, in other ways of trying to, to, you know, make sure that we get to where, where we need to with respect to employee retention and compensation. Um, <coughs> I don't want to leave out non-union employees out of this conversation entirely because uh, I, th I think there's uh, an important element there too. The council actually received a, a, an anonymous U report from what I assume to be a non-union employee at the City of Bloomington earlier today, 
um, you know, concerned about um, the same things you all are, you know, not being able to afford um, uh, to live to live here, uh, concerned about even inequities with things like the payment assistance programs that are available to some some employees, um, but but not others at City of Bloomington, concerned about not having a representative in the union. So there, there are limits to, to every type of employee in terms of what you can negotiate and bargain for, um, and the, the processes are imperfect, um, and, and so we're left, you know, dealing with that at some level. Um, I noted last time we talked that, again, any contract that's agreed to, um, we would then be contractually abound in future years to appropriate, appropriate, you know, uh, adequate funds. And if that means cutting other programs or whatever it is to meet that commitment, that's what will be done. Once the agreement is, is in place, uh, there's no question that it will be covered. Uh, it's not like any appropriations in this year's budget will somehow limit or make that not possible. Um, I think the one last thing I'll say um, is that I think I have interest in continuing to dig more deeply into um, benchmarking our salaries and competitiveness with, you know, with um, uh, surrounding uh, governmental units and private sector. Um, you know, we've heard anecdotes to that effect. I've heard that from from city staff at times too. That you know, we used to uh, take um, uh, employees from the county, so to speak. Uh, they would come from the county to the city, and that that's you know going the other direction uh, more commonly now, and, and things like that. So that to say, uh, you know, again, like my colleagues, concerned about retention, uh, looking in the coming year to get more information, more quantitative data about uh, those retention challenges, about um, salary competitiveness, benchmarking, also gender and racial pay equity uh, considerations, and just making sure that we're uh, really digging into the weeds of, of those issues um, so that we can, uh, you know, positively affect them where, where, where possible. Um, and that's it for me. Thank you. The council voted unanimously to approve the ordinance to establish the salaries of city employees. The next Bloomington City Council meeting will be held on October 19th. Up next, we have the latest episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. The program highlights adoptable special needs animals in South Central Indiana and informs listeners of various topics related to animal welfare in our region. We turn to the latest edition of Lil Bub's Lil Show, produced by Stacey Bradovsky and Christine Braggenhoff. Welcome to Lil Bub's Little Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. On this week's episode, we'll highlight a local organization dedicated to the welfare of animals and strengthening the human-animal bond. We'll also highlight an animal that has been helped by the organization. First, we'll explain a bit about the differences between a shelter and a rescue. If you've ever wanted to adopt an animal, you've likely visited a shelter, rescue, or even a local humane association. Oftentimes the words shelter and rescue are used interchangeably with many folks not knowing there are differences between the two. On today's episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, 
we're going to give you a quick overview of the differences between these organizations and highlight our very own Monroe County Humane Association. While both shelters and rescues have a similar goal of rescuing homeless animals, the way they are funded and the adoption processes can have some big differences. Shelters are generally government funded and can have limited budgets to do big work. They're usually a first stop for stray animals and folks needing to surrender pets. If you've ever found a stray animal, your local shelter is likely where it's ended up. Shelters provide vital services to both people and animals in the communities they serve. Rescues are usually nonprofits or charities that are funded solely by donations. Many are run by volunteers. Rescues can be cause or breed specific, and many work with their local shelters to help find forever homes for animals. In addition to shelters and rescues, many communities will also have a humane association. While all humane associations are unique, they often work to address issues within animal welfare, like caring for animals in crisis and eliminating animal cruelty. Some humane associations have adoption programs or nonprofit veterinary clinics, and they often work with other local animal welfare groups, like municipal shelters, to help care for animals. We were able to speak with our local Monroe County Humane Association about what they do in our South Central Indiana community. My name is Rebecca Warren. I'm the executive director here at the Monroe County Humane Association. The Monroe County Humane Association is a local 501c3 nonprofit. We are not affiliated with any other national overarching agencies. We are from this community. We work, live in this community, and we are governed by a local a volunteer board of directors. We oversee a non-for-profit veterinary clinic that is open to the public with sliding scale services. In that clinic, we have a pet food pantry, we have grooming, we have emergency housing, we have boarding, we have pet obedience training, and then obviously we do all wellness and injury assessment for uh, mostly dogs and cats. On the other side of the spectrum from what we do is an entire therapy animal program where we have a team of humans and dogs alike plus one cat that go into the community and serve in crisis response centers, schools, senior citizen facilities, just really anywhere, anyone that could use some extra pet love. And those teams work in those communities as well. So we like to see people from all walks of life when they are interacting with dogs and cats. Roscoe was a black and white terrier mix and came in actually bleeding all over our admin desk. So because we are a nonprofit veterinary clinic, we do typically get pets that have nowhere else to go. We know that families and owners come to us because they'll at least, we'll at least see them, we'll assess them. And we also have access to a wealth of grant funding that we can use directly towards patient care. So in this case, obviously Roscoe needed x-rays, he needed his wound cleaned, and we were able to confirm that yes, Roscoe had been shot. And unfortunately, Roscoe had been shot the week before um, and the owner just had nowhere to take him. So he said he called and called and called and couldn't get through to us, which unfortunately is possible. We have a very high call volume and we're constantly checking voicemails, returning those. And he ultimately gave up and just showed up, which is great. We were happy to see him and get Roscoe the care that he needed. But in the patient notes, it did say that the owner put Roscoe on our desk and Roscoe was just bleeding all over. So we scooped him up, took him to the back and immediately started to assess what he needed for care. Affirmed that yes, there is a bullet wound in there. And at this point, the best thing to do for Roscoe is to treat that as an open wound. Now I'm gonna get him stabilized. His gums were pink. 
he was starting to become lethargic and it was more important to get him stabilized and clean um, than anything else. Roscoe's doing much better now. Um, in that particular situation, the owner had $20 to put towards Roscoe's care and we were able to grant fund the rest of his care. So antibiotics, x-rays, cleaning the wound and getting him patched up and on his way. And being that he's a puppy, he's going to heal very nicely and remember this as a very bad week. We thrive on donations. So that is how we do the bulk of our work um, as a nonprofit and that sliding scale. When clients come to see us, they, um, they pay much less than they would anywhere else. So in Roscoe's case, that exam fee was $15. By being able to offset those costs with grants, with donations to the medical fund, that's how we can ensure that we can keep treating pets like Roscoe. And uh, we've seen over 3,000 patients just this year. So you can imagine 3,000 Roscoe's, it takes a lot of grants, donations, and work to make what we do happen for the, the dogs and cats, not only in Monroe County, but to the donut counties as well, because we're fairly far away from another nonprofit organization that does see injury, um, sick, and surgery assessment for dogs and cats. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Lil Bub's Lil Show is produced by Stacey Brodowski and Christine Brackenhoff. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Ruth Flegman. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. 
Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 